0: Hello, and welcome to our first podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Drew McKenna, and I'm sitting here with my lovely wife.
1: And I'm Deborah McKenna, and this podcast is all about getting to know Jesus in his cultural context of first century Israel, where he lived, what he taught, and what does that all mean for us who follow him today.
0: So unless you're in your car... Grab a cup of your favorite beverage, a comfortable seat, and let's get started.
1: Hey, I drink coffee in my car. (laughs) Drew, people ask, why do we want to take time out of our busy lives and schedules to spend time learning about a man who lived about 2,000 years ago? What difference will it make in my life?
0: I think the answer lies in trying to understand what motivates us to know more about Jesus To many, he's just a historical figure. For some, he's a savior who keeps them from suffering in hell. And to many, he's nothing more than a religious figure mounted on the wall. No matter what our motivations are, the truth is, Jesus changed and molded the world around us. I don't think there's hardly a place left in the world where we couldn't find something or someone associated with that name. So, being a curious person that I am... I want to know who the real person is behind all this, and I hope our listeners feel the same way. So what motivates you to know more?
1: I loved studying my Bible, but for me, Jesus' teaching technique of sprinkling his teachings with parables and illustrations was confusing. The very fact that he lived 2,000 years ago, in a culture far removed from our own, made these teachings difficult to understand. Where do we start?
0: I think the best place to start uh, is to consider this idea. You know, when we built our home, the very first thing the builders did before they started to construct our house was what?
1: Well, of course, we had a set of plans designed by our architect, but I think what you're referring to is the foundation. Before they could put up any of the walls or start building, a foundation was laid. So what we need is a foundation to build on if we're going to get to know Jesus.
0: That's right. Our listeners might remember a discussion Jesus had with some of the leaders of his community about marriage and divorce. Do you remember what he said?
1: Well, he said a lot on that topic, but I've think you're referring to this statement from Matthew 19, where Jesus said, "Haven't you read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? In their discussion, Jesus brought them back to the beginning and built a foundation. What is our foundation to better understand Jesus?:
0: Well, I think the foundation starts with the place and culture. He was born. Lived, died, and resurrected. That's our beginning, our starting place and foundation. Putting it a bit more blunt, bluntly, I think Jesus was born, raised, educated, taught, and discipled others in a very Hebraic way. He was a Jew among Jews of his day.
1: Are you saying, as believers in Jesus, we need to go beyond just being saved?
0: yes. What I'm saying is that if we are to make any sense of how he lived and what he taught, we need to understand the world he lived in.
1: How, as Christians, do we do that?
0: Well, the first thing we have to avoid is just having a head knowledge of Jesus. I think it's easy to turn this into an academic exercise and forget there's a reason we should know these things, because at some point we have to live them out.
1: It sounds to me like there are two parts to knowing someone, intellectually and experientially. Are you saying to know someone we have to study them before actually getting to know them?
0: Well, kind of, but not really. You know, when I first laid my eyes on you so many years ago, by the way, I thought, wow, I have (laughs) to get to know her. So we started hanging out together and the rest was history. But there's more. I found in the process, if I really loved and cared for you, I needed to know more about you. And that is when our lifelong process of both head and experiential knowledge began.
1: Oh, what you're saying is getting to know someone goes far beyond head knowledge. I remember Jesus saying something like that in John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Hmm. Where have I heard that one before? God says something similar to his people in Exodus 20, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Jesus is echoing what God said. Then, if we want to really know Jesus, we will keep his commandments, his instructions?
0: Of course I'm saying that. We will keep his commandments and his instructions. But how will I know what his instructions are if I don't spend time getting to know who he is? Of course, I have the privilege and opportunity to get to know you face-to-face, and I live in real time. Both you and I do, by the way, live in real time. However, getting to know someone who lived on Earth centuries ago is a lot more difficult. But I think the key to really knowing someone starts with the desire to have a relationship that goes beyond any benefit that they might provide me.
1: You're right. I think too often relationships are all about what they provide me personally. It's probably part of our nature to seek relationships which benefit us. But it seems to me love goes beyond that. If our motivation for accepting Jesus is accepting hell in the next life, I have to ask myself, is that really love? So where are you going with all these all these ideas. How are we going to get to know Jesus?
0: Well, let me ask you this. What is coming to know Jesus in his Hebraic-Jewish context of the first century meant to you?
1: Oh, uh-huh. it's changed my life. And I've, I find that I'm falling with, in love with Jesus all over again. Let me explain. Even though we've been heavily involved in church activities and serious Bible studies for years, understanding Jesus' words were difficult there was still something missing. It was like watching TV on a small black-and-white set with poor reception and scratchy sound. Studying Jesus' words in His cultural setting is like watching a large screen TV with vivid color and clear sound. How about you? What has studying Jesus in His cultural context meant to
0: you? You know, as, as you said that, I started to think about how many of our listeners... May not even have seen a black and white television. Uh oh. Second of all, it made me think maybe we should get a new big HD screen TV for our living room. <laughs> what do you think of that?
1: <laughs> well, that's a night. That's a topic for maybe when the podcast is over.
0: Okay. Uh, you asked the question, what does it mean to me? Uh, it has meant to me a lot of things, but I think the easiest way to explain it is it's brought to me clarity where there was confusion. I'm getting what some of those seemingly odd sayings and teaching of Jesus actually mean and how they might apply to our time.
1: I agree, but I think our listeners really want to know what you and I found and how it applies.
0: Okay, you taught seminars that covered some of the Hebraic idioms of his day and how we can see them in the text. So let's start there. Let's begin by thinking out of the box and see if we can reimagine how Jesus lived and taught in his day.
1: (laughs) You just used two idioms from our American culture.
0: Yes, and I think they're great examples of how idioms become part of our culture. If I said those same things to someone from, say, Japan, they would have that deer-in-the-headlights look on their faces.
1: Okay, okay, okay. You just threw out another idiom from our culture. But before you go any further... Let's remind our listeners what an idiom is.
0: An idiom is an expression or phrase not interpreted literally. Like, it's raining cats and dogs. Now, we live in an area that gets massive thunderstorms, and not once have I looked outside and seen cats and dogs raining out of the sky. Thank goodness. You bet, by the way. The phrase is meant to mean something quite different than the literal words imply.
1: Okay, give me a few more idioms.
0: Okay, putting the cart before the horse.
1: Hmm, That would be like starting a construction on a new house before getting a loan from the bank. It's doing things in the wrong order.
0: Here's another. We're going to play hardball on this.
1: Oh, that means to be firm and determined in order to get what you want.
0: Hmm, And that is a piece of cake.
1: Oh, making this podcast isn't the piece of cake I thought it would be.
0: And you hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: (laughs) That's precisely right.
0: So let's get all your ducks in a row.
1: Uh, Before we get started our first, excuse me, before we started our very first podcast, we had several tasks to do first before recording. We had to get all of our ducks in a
0: row. Now, when I say that one, get all your ducks in a row, it really reminds me of the idea of how often do I actually picture getting ducks all lined up in a row? It also reminds me of the idea of herding cats. It just can't be done. Okay, now we've got some of the fun ones out of the way. Give me some of the idioms used by Jesus and the people of his day.
1: All right, I'll give you a few that stump the modern reader. (laughs) Good eye, evil eye, bind and loose, keys of the kingdom, abolish and fulfill. Even the term kingdom of heaven is a Hebraic idiom from the time period Jesus lived. After years of in depth study, asking pastors, consulting commentaries, and using Greek study tools, these terms made no sense. It wasn't until I began studying Jesus and his culture and history of first century Israel that we began to learn that these phrases were common idioms that Jesus and his audience understood.
0: I agree. And I think my favorite is when Jesus says this, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can you imagine the whole idea of God literally doing such a thing?
1: We've all heard that scripture used in many strange ways.
0: But when I learned it's an idiom describing the authority and responsibility given to leadership, I was floored.
1: (laughs) There's another idiom. Doesn't that show how much our culture affects what we say and how we interpret life?
0: Hmm. You know, I see we're about out of time for this podcast, Uh, But for me personally, just starting to understand the idioms of Jesus' day made a huge impact on my understanding of his words.
1: Well, I think we left our listeners with something to think about. Where are we going to go in our next podcast?
0: Okay, I'll let the cat out of the bag. (laughs) We're going to explore some of the idioms you gave us today.
1: I love this subject and can't wait to talk more about them the next time we get together with our listeners, which reminds me, I don't know how many people have tuned into our podcasts, but Drew and I want to thank you for listening and learning with us. I can't think of anything more important than getting to know the Jesus of the Bible.
0: You know, before we go any further and uh, or leave our listeners uh, today, is there any way that they can know more about Jesus in it's a great uh, Jewish context? And if so, what do you recommend?
1: Well, for those of you who love video, an excellent place to start is with Ray Vanderlan's video series, That the World May Know, filmed on location in Israel and Asia Minor. What would you recommend?
0: For those who want a source of more in-depth teachings and commentary on the Hebraic roots of Jesus, and by the way, including the idioms that we're going to talk about in our next uh, couple of podcasts, there's really nothing better than Jerusalem Perspective. It's a website filled with well-researched, factual, and in-depth articles about Jesus in his day. You can find links to these sites and many others at graftedbranches.org, our webpage.
1: What thought would you like to leave with our listeners?
0: Until next time, love him, get to know him, get to know what he taught, and go live it. We'll all see you next time as we explore the idioms, that Jesus uses in his day.